Hello and welcome to the AV Forums podcast for the 4th of September 2013. And we move into September with yet another AV Forums podcast. Thank you very much for downloading and listening. And joining me this evening is AV Forums assistant editor Steve Withers. You ever had sex with a chicken, Jack? Movies editor Simon Cross. Is this moron number one? Put moron number two on the phone. News editor Mark Hodgkinson. I've got money, you know. I'll give you whatever you want. Games editor Mark Botwright. Are you going to propose to me? And audio reviewer Ed Selly. Son of a bitch stole my cigarette. So here we are for yet another podcast and... September is a big month for AV Forums and we'll have a special podcast in the next couple of weeks explaining fully what's going to happen because it's all changed at AV Forums. You will see a brand new forum, a brand new editorial and a brand new design to go with it all with uh, new features and lots of exciting stuff. We're not going to go into it in too much detail tonight, uh, but stay tuned for that. September's going to be the month where everything changes and uh, I'm sure we're going to get lots of complaints. <laughs> no, everyone's going to love it. Change is good. Yeah, because the internet always responds well to change. I mean, every time fa- every time Facebook changes, it's just universally positive what happens, isn't it? Oh, no, wait. So let's kick off with some hardware news and uh, we're starting to sound like a, a broken record, uh, which Ed hates. He, he loves his vinyl. Uh, but 4K news, again, more of it. So on Saturday, we're recording this on Monday, uh, Sky broadcast for the first time uh, a football game in uh, Ultra HD, or 4K as we like to call it. And uh, which game was it, Mark? It was West Ham versus Stoke. Uh, and it was... Absolute cracker then. Yeah, I think the cracker there. <laughs> yeah. so, Should have cracking footballing teams. Um yeah, and it was it was the first uh, end-to-end broadcast of live broadcast altogether, and certainly of a football game. Uh, it was shown to a few Sky execs, as you would expect, and Sky presenter Martin Stanford. Who is he, by the way? He's uh, the bloke that used to do the tech tech file or technophile. Ah, uh, right, okay. Uh, I'll explain it. Yeah, and, he, and he posted something on uh, Sky's own website this morning explaining the experience. It was all shown on a 84-inch Sony uh, possibly the one that Steve looked at, uh, and he seemed to enjoy himself. But he let slip at the end um, that they won't be releasing um, a Sky UHD TV PVR before the, f- uh, the standards for both HDMI 2.0 and H.265 video compression have been finalised and ratified, which seems like a sensible approach and probably not massive news, but uh, that's the first time they've really come out and even... And even said they're thinking of doing one. Was, was the question is how long is it going to take them for them to ratify those two standards, isn't it? Yeah, well, I don't think it's going to be a couple of months, or is it going to be you know late next year or something like that? Oh, HDMI two point has been in the offing for what eighteen months or something. Mm. To be fair, the more people that hang fire, the more impetus there is for them to just stop bickering, agree on it, and get on with it. <laughs> <laughs> what I think that's it, it ultimately. Um, I mean, thinking back, obviously, to the earlier days of HDMI, um, when we were going from 1.3 to 1.3a, um, quite a number of larger organisations, not necessarily brands you've heard of, but the people making the hardware, mm. said, unless you agree across the board what it's going to do, 
we're just not going to bother. We'll just stay where we are. Um, and at, even though it was strange, 1.3 to 1.3a, I've, it, it sounded comparatively minor. It in, in, included some some reasonable changes, but it was actually one of the most sort of cohesive moves over that there's been involving HDMI. If, if you could ever describe what they've been doing as cohesive, so I think it, per, you know, personally, it makes perfect sense to me. You just hang fire and say, look, we're not going to bother. We're not going to invest in any of any of the the actual hardware until you've you've nailed down what it's going to do and how it's going to do it. Yeah, to show how cohesive the uh, they are, didn't they stop giving it numbers at one point? They said, right, it was too confusing for the customers. So I think they stopped at 1.4 and they, they said, no, no more numbers. And now, and now they're coming back with HDMI 2.0 to uh, argue about all over again. I don't have a lot of good words to say for HDMI, but that, yes, if you like, that encapsulates just the whole nature of a horrible, compromised, nasty connection that you know is is you know sort of usb but worse in so many mm. ways but yeah you know that that's entirely right but you can normally force people to do sensible things by by just saying look we're not going to play until you've until you've agreed how you're going to do it yeah i think it's entirely sensible of sky really to to wait it out they're not going to be in the position of uh, wanting to issue upgrade boxes like the tv manufacturers might have to that's for sure uh, yeah, well, on on the latest one with the uh, connection box, that's just yeah, a per- yeah, perfect just, example. Just that to mind, yeah. yeah, perfect example. But um, what was interesting with this 4K broadcast was that they did it properly. So they had a, a director, they had uh, the four cameras, four F fifty five Sony's um, with shallow depth of field lenses and so on, which was the difficulty was keeping focus. Um, for the engineers, because obviously shallow depth of field, uh, your focus point moves all the time, especially in football. Um, but it was interesting that. Do you reckon, Phil, that's why they chose Stoke versus West Ham? <laughs> <laughs> boing, boing, boing. <laughs> yeah, maybe. But um, obviously, there's difficulties in there that they have to iron out. I mean, the F55, it's a cinema camera, um, it's a large sensor camera, it's designed to work with uh, shallow depth of field lenses obviously to look cinematic so um, they'll have to do something there in terms of uh, broadcast uh, suitable cameras Um, but it sounds like they did it properly and I I looked at the tweets that um, Martin Stanford put out uh, on the evening that they were doing that or the afternoon they were doing that and there was a couple of quotes in there from the director saying it was a little bit harder to cut between cameras it was taking its time obviously with, with data um, large amounts of data, but the other thing, the interesting thing was, no need for cameras for close-ups. Yeah, um, yeah I found that very interesting. Yeah, he felt. And if was, you've seen them, yeah, if you've seen one in real life, then you know that's true, because yeah. the resolution is incredible. Yeah, so th- th- that was interesting. It, you know, there could be advantages there for a broadcaster not needing the twenty-seven cameras that they have at the minute, just having four or five. Yeah, that, that's one thing that uh, Mills said, wasn't it? That he definitely would need less cameras yeah. going forwards with four K. Yeah, so all it's going to be interesting. I mean, the, obviously, the, the the area where I, I'm most looking forward to this in a sports sense is Formula One, and they can't. Uh, it would be interesting that, to see how talk about that slow data transfer kicks in because um, they can't physically reduce the number of cameras by that much because there's line of sight issues. It doesn't really matter what the resolution is if you're just going straight into a billboard or the back of somebody's head. Mm. So it'll be very interesting to see how they, it, how and if they can uh, square that particular circle. I mean, given how long it took to go to HD, I don't think there's any particular rush, but, you know, yeah. I'd be interested yeah, to see how it gets 10 years on. in their time schedule. Yeah. yeah. So it was interesting what they said. Less cameras, they'll keep the phantom cameras for the, the ultra-slow-mo uh, and cut between the two, and, and one of the comments was that they didn't really notice a difference cutting between them. Um, so it sounds like it went well. 
we just need them to ratify HDMI standard and um, it looks like uh, the HEV, HEVC or HEVEC or however you want to uh, say it, uh, compression standard seems to work as well because the... Is that- anyone calling it HEVEC but you? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what to call it. I think H265 is HEVC. HEVC. It sounds like too much like QVC. Shop, <laughs> shopping channel. Imagine QVC and HEVC. Oh, no thanks. <laughs> you can get some one really day, nice detailed up post-ups on those, uh, you know, those fat, that fake jewellery. Uh, so really orange skin. While we're all talking about um, 4K TVs, uh, LG are still banging on about this bloody OLED uh, that we've yet to see. Um, but they've now taken the curve out of it. They've gone back to flat, but they put a silly picture frame around it now. <laughs> I'm assuming somebody pointed out to them that one of the major flaws in their curved OLED was you couldn't wall mount it. So they've gone, oh. Okay, yeah, yeah, so now they turned it into a giant picture, and it looks, all due respect to LG, hideous. Uh, according, <laughs> according to one of our members, it's removable, the picture frame, so all is not lost. Cause that yeah, is gonna can you unclip it silly. or does it need a chisel? I, oh, yeah, well, anything's removable <laughs> with the right tools. Same with Dr. Tells. So, I mean, Steve's going to obviously see this this week, um, Aoife. Uh, you're off on Wednesday when this podcast goes out for that. Um, we'll also be following the news at this site. I mean, if I, not really... Right, whose mobile phone is it? It's not mine. Nothing. But it could be mine. It's over there. Uh, so, if I'm not a show uh, renowned for launching cutting-edge products, uh, you have to wait for CES for that. But obviously, LG's still banging on about this this OLED. Whose phone's that? Not, not mine. Mine's not even in the room. Not mine. Mine's off. It's Ed's. Is it not... A- and it's, it's not yours. actually it's here. Yours. Sorry, I've got an iPad with me, but that's it. Well, the, hang on, it's a 3G iPad. Oh, that might be it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Professional as always. <laughs> uh, so Aoife's not a show that's renowned for uh, major product launches, but LG's still going on about this OLED. Thankfully, they've gone back flat again with it and away from the curved monstrosities that uh, Samsung seem to be uh, wanting to put out there into the market. Another interesting bit of news today as well was that uh, Sony have cut their TV prices again with their 4K LED TV prices, the X9s, uh, 3299 and 49999. Well, it was a week with, before last they cut them, wasn't it? Sony have dropped them to bring them in line with Samsung's current pricing, so we can assume the next stage will be LG dropping their prices, followed by Samsung <laughs> dropping theirs again. Which is all good for the consumer. Yeah, um, no, but if, if you're going to buy one, buy the Samsung because uh, that one's updatable. <laughs> we don't know about there the others yet. There is that too. Yeah. Um, so, uh, like we're saying, IFA starts um, on Wednesday. It's going to be hot and humid according to the weather. Steve, I don't know if you've had a look or not. I had a look. I had a look, actually. Yeah, it's going to be quite sunny and hot uh, on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. It's uh, great, great weather for you to be stuck in massive holes. Yeah, love look, it. In darkness, <laughs> looking at products. So Steve's going to be covering uh, TV and tech, and Ed goes out on Monday. Ed? I'm actually out at Sparrow's Fart on Sunday morning, back on the Monday evening, in time to report back at the podcast into my own unique take on... What, you're going to be back for the podcast? That's the plan. That's a quick visit. Well, yeah, you know. (laughs) I got around it in a day last year. I wouldn't want to do it again, but, you know. Uh, So you're going to be reporting on the audio side of things and white goods, is that right? Yeah, yeah, white white goods especially. White goods correspondents. And if there's any tech prams that are (laughs) (laughs) joking aside, I'm sure that'll prove distracting in its own way. But yeah, Um, I'll 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 go round and I'll 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 take some interesting pics. See what we've got. 
Is that it for hardware? I thought it was more than that. You didn't talk about Saracens versus no, Barbarians, but it is kind of the same story, really, isn't it? It's just a footnote, really, because it would just yeah. been say, well, it's not the first ever now after them coming out and broadcasting it. West Ham Stoke is basically a rugby match, surely, anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for my sins, they are the football team I give the most of a f*** out, but, you know, that's not... Yeah, West Ham or Stoke? West Ham. I, I was when I was at university. Um, I lived sufficiently close to the ground that it was an idea to have at least a passing understanding of what they were up to, even if actually in my heart of hearts I didn't care. So yeah, I, I you know I, I find them endearingly hopeless. I like that. Traditionally, they're a good footballing side. <laughs> well, I used to live next to Saracens' ground, so I suppose that gives me. But he would do, wouldn't he? Was it in Hong Kong? No, <laughs> North London. <laughs> Hong Kong, Saracens. Not Sosters, mate. Yeah, Steve's the bloke down the pub that's always done one better than you have. Eleven a reef. You've been to Tenerife. Steve's been to Eleven a reef. <laughs> <laughs> this goes up to eleven. <laughs> Steve invented the question mark. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, that seems to be our hardware news. <laughs> For this week, it's been a quiet week, I think, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, a bit of a quiet week, but then Aoife. I suppose it would be, isn't it? Because Aoife's coming out, so no one's announcing yeah. anything just yet. And, and funnily enough, uh, there was a, an invite sent out from a UK tech company today for a press, press launch on Wednesday. Uh, did they check their calendar on that one? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there'll be many turning up at that. It seems to be uh, every tech journal. I was going to say worth the salt, but you're going, Steve. It seems to be they're all heading out there. Uh, this week so it should be interesting next week's podcast should be a bit better for hardware news and uh, discussions about big burly Germans and their sausages so moving on uh, we're going to talk about movie news next so let's talk uh, movie news and Steve what's at the cinema well this week I have seen with the Millers, which is a, a comedy, and I use that term loosely, um, about a drug dealer who uh, loses all of his drugs and has to go over the border to Mexico to bring back about two metric tons of uh, of weed for his boss. Uh, now, in order not to draw attention to himself when he's going over the border, he decides the best thing to do is get a huge RV and a fake family. Uh, and because cops never really look at you know families going on holiday and they're able to bring it all back easily, so he gets a local stripper, played rather unbelievably by um, by Jennifer Aniston, uh, to be the mum. And then uh, a local runaway girl, played by Emma Roberts, daughter of Eric and niece of Julia, to play the uh, to play his daughter, basically. And then the local kid who lives in the apartment block nearby, um, who plays his son. He's played by Will Poulter, Poulter, who's actually English. He was um, in Son of Rambo, and was Eustace in the third Chronicles of Narnia movie. And he is does a very good American accent, I have to say, and is by far and away the best thing in the film. Steals every scene he's in. Um, yeah, and they go over the border. They pick up all the weed, and obviously, they're trying to get they get actually get across back across the border quite easily. But then various you know adventures ensue as they try and get back uh, back to Denver to deliver the drugs on time to get paid. Um, and obviously, you know, if you had to take a wild guess there, you could say, do they develop into a real family on the journey? Yeah, well spotted. Um, there's a scene where uh, Jennifer Aniston gets to strip, so at least you can see that all the exercise has not gone to waste. Still not very believable as a stripper, though, to be honest. More believable as a mum, to be honest. It's you have much funny. prior knowledge of strippers. <laughs> of strippers, yes. A great, a great deal of knowledge. <laughs> An unhealthy amount. Didn't, um, it Dem- must Dem- be Dem- said she actually... She's not an attractive... I don't think she's an attractive woman. I think she works hard at what she's got. So she's in good shape and she's got nice hair. But she's got... <laughs> 
This is descending to one of those down the pub conversations. <laughs> Very rapidly. <laughs> I wouldn't touch her with yours. We've just lost let oh, herself one go. female you listener on Britney Spears these days. Yeah, and Christ the, Almighty. And the ironic thing is, is with us. It's it's <laughs> talking about here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, well, I've got an even so I can't appreciate it. <laughs> He's all the more appreciative. Exactly. Uh, anyway, the film the film is uh, mildly amusing in places, but frankly, it's a bit predictable. Um, and I think I gave it a five out of ten. So you know, don't bother going to the movies to see it. Just pick it up on DVD or Blu-ray one evening when you're bored. Uh, you have a little bit of chuckle, but it's you know, it's a, there are some funny scenes. And as I said, Will Poulter just pinched most of them himself. Um, a couple of nice little cameos in there too that are worth a laugh. But uh, basically, it's it's pretty mediocre stuff. But Jennifer Aniston, she is a quite talented comedian, but she really needs to fire her agent and get a new one because she has done some shockingly bad films since she left Friends. Really has. I mean, she's done some ropey bloody movies. And this is actually good in comparison with most of her previous stuff. I quite like Twin Horrible Bosses. Mm. I don't know. Mm. I quite like that film, mainly because it reminds me so much of previous working experience. <laughs> Not, not actually the Jennifer Aniston one. More the, uh, more, more the Kevin Spacey chap. But yeah, you know, gives me a warm, fuzzy feeling inside knowing I don't have to do that anymore. Um, so that's that one. And the other film I went to go and see was The Mortal Instruments: City of Bones, which apparently is based upon a reasonably successful series of uh, tween books. Um, I'd never heard of them prior to this. That's me sold. I had to learn a lot about my my sister-in-law. I, I joking aside, my sister-in-law is in the, is is most of the way through writing a, a trilogy, which she she has a proper contract for. So yes, I had to learn all about the the genre as such, and I, I, it just astonished no, me about the the sheer number of of virtually identical books that are out there you know just basically where there's no description given to the female character so every single female reader can pretend to be her and the male character is described in excruciating detail it's yes. just well painful but, obviously you've just described this film i mean i think you had <laughs> various data so twilight star wars and harry potter and press f4 this is what you're going to get Basically, it is the most derivative movie I've ever seen in my life. It literally has love triangle. Actually, love quadrangle. They go one extra because they throw in a bit of homosexuality as well. So you've got the girl, main character. She fancies this guy, nice big cheekbones, you know. Uh, and he's got another guy he, work, he fights, you know. They call, they're called shadow hunters. And they basically hunt down demons and there's vampires and there's werewolves. Um, there's a whole sort of another world that exists parallel to ours. Um, which we called uh, I remember what they call it now it's ridiculous but they call people like us mundanes as opposed to muggles I mean it's just staggeringly derivative and you're thinking like really? <laughs> was this necessary? Like Buffy that, that well yeah actually, sorry Buffy. I forgot you just actually, that, that's a good point and a heavy dose of Buffy the Vampire Slayer too actually yeah yeah you're right actually now I think about it it's very like Buffy the Vampire Slayer only nowhere near as good obviously and I bet the writer had never heard of Buffy the Vampire Slayer yeah, about as much as the writer of uh, The Hunger Games hadn't heard of, of Battle Royale, I see. Exactly. Um, yeah, no, it's derivative in every sense. I mean, it, but I mean, I don't think it's just... But There's a bit where someone reveals to be someone else's father, and then two other characters turn to be brother and sister. So they've also been nipping a fair bit of Star Wars, too, while they're at it. They don't blow up a large building at the end, do they? Uh, no, they don't run down a trench and then shoot at something. Yeah. Um, it's, no, but, and it's also, I'm not even quite sure why... It, well, they don't really explain what the mortal instruments are, so I don't know why it's called that. And a city of bones isn't a city. It's more like a basement. So that's a bit of a letdown. 
so, so uh, you... they, they, they apparently gone into pre-production. It, uh, I should just say that the star playing the female character is Lily Collins, who is gorgeous, but I can't believe her dad is Phil Collins. Boy, she lucked out getting her mum's looks. Um, <laughs> um, but she, she is very attractive. Uh, not a bad actress either. It's got Lena Headey's in it, but only in it briefly. Everyone in it pretty much is English, except, uh, well, Lily Collins is, is English, but she grew up in, in most of her life in America. She does actually have an American accent, and there's one other character with an American accent, but everybody else has an English accent. I'm not completely sure why everyone speaks with an English accent, even though it's set in New York, and no one ever points this out to anybody. But so that's They play stuff. a lot of Sting at the same time. They're all Englishmen <laughs> in New York, or no, or they just miss out on that that obvious cross-marketing opportunity. Yeah, it's, it's, it's bizarre, but... Um, yeah, it's 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 very derivative. It was pretty boring. It was a shed load of exposition in it to the point where you're thinking, "Will you just shut up and do something interesting?" Uh, it it just felt like it's, yeah, you can just see the production meetings. Does it make any sense? Not really, but it looks cool. Okay, then we'll do that. Then um, it's just uh, yeah. Unless you're a, well, I guess if you're a fan, you've already gone to see it, and I'm guessing most people listening to this aren't going to be fans anyway, so don't bother. Is my my opinion. I'm so glad you see this shit so we don't have to. Ah, yeah, well, don't worry, because tomorrow night I'm going to go and see Rush. I'm really looking forward to that. That sounds like it's going to be great. Yeah, well, it looks awesome in the trailer. Yeah, Yeah, no, that sounds sounds like it'd be brilliant. I mean, the the true life story of of their rivalry has to make a great film. Doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, just for those who probably don't know what it is, Rush is about the 1976 Formula One season when uh, James Hunt won the world championship and Nicky Lauda had his near spoiler man. I don't think you can call it a spoiler. It's just spoiler. <laughs> That's like saying the Titanic sank. Yeah, but I mean, it's very much about the relationship between the two drivers and, and that season, and it was an unbelievably um, you know dramatic season for obvious reasons. Yeah, I watched a documentary uh, the other night about it. It was on BBC Four. Uh, really yeah, good, yeah, yeah, really, really good documentary. Yeah, so amazing, looking forward amazing. to the film. And it, of course, Ron Howard. So you know, yep. his visuals are always pretty stunning. He's a bit so. of a journeyman, but what he's very good at is period detail. If you look at Apollo thirteen, I mean, he actually did shoot some of it in weightless environment for God's sake. So you know, he can definitely. And the stuff I've seen in the trailer looks. It's like they got a time machine. Yeah, he does definitely look like he's put the research. The research. Yeah. Work the legwork they've put in for authenticity is is really quite something. Um. Peter Stevens, um, who is best known, I suppose, for doing a lot of the work on the McLaren F1, but was was ba- I think basically at that in 1976 was like the T boy at McLaren or something similar. But he 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 sort of assisted in in trying to you know make sure that you know the cars themselves, you know how how they how they moved, being driven by the guys, how it just sort of felt and looked and stuff like that, and large numbers of people that were there and knew what they were doing have put their effort in and it, it really is i'm really hoping it's going to be going to be great I, I said months ago it was the film i was most looking forward to this year so i really yeah, hope they don't yeah. screw it I up mean, the guy playing nicky lauder doesn't half look like him as well um and chris helmsworth doesn't look too bad as james honey he looks, looks the part he does sound obviously and look a bit like thor <laughs> 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 which i suppose is it's inevitable really because it's the same guy <laughs> But um, but yeah, no, I think it's, it's got, I have high hopes for tomorrow night. So uh, I'll be very excited or very disappointed um, when we talk about this next week. Ed, what's this that you've just put in the uh, in the chat window? Well, after um, uh, Steve was so derogatory about uh, Phil Collins as a sex object, uh, I thought I would. Um, uh, pop in a site which I remember seeing a couple of months ago. It appeared in a, in a newsletter to which I subscribe. Um, and it is Phil Rotica, Sexy Tales of the Former Genesis Drummer. Um, and it's written 
it's a masterpiece you know i i i know great writing when i see it um and uh, and this is it i mean is I this quite, that weird fan fiction that gets written by people who should know better really i think this might be written by someone whose tongue is a little bit further into their cheek i quote or, directly or in this case phil's cheeks i think by reading it <laughs> the tempo of their love making was rough and unpredictable a far cry from the rock solid timekeeping that marked phil collins out as one of the <laughs> finest stickmen of his generation and yet the intensity with which he pounded her youthful flesh was undeniable as allison submitted to the former child actor's sexy ministrations her whole body throbbed like a giant bass drum so rhythmic were her gasps of ecstasy that she would not have been surprised if a Roadie appeared to place a microphone above her. That's just <laughs> fabulous. <laughs> and I promise all of the rest of you on this call and anyone look at this podcast, if you download the website, I suggest that you don't do it in a workplace or, or, or in a public place, but it is an absolute joy. That is comedy mills and boot writing right there. Well, they've just managed to fit in all the song titles. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah, that's, that's the later on this evening planned out then. <laughs> Ringo Starr rolled over and touched the wound on his head. You'll suffer for this, Collins, he said in a ponderous tones, made famous by his time narrating Thomas the Tank <laughs> The ex-Beatles mocking laughter filled the Peter Gabriel suite. <laughs> Silence, you hussy, said Ringo Starr with an evil laugh. You're about to feel a touch that's anything but invisible. <laughs> You know, I was, I was once researching, because uh, you know that when, when uh, they originally started shooting uh, First Ship of the Ring, they had cast Stuart Townsend, uh, was it Stuart Townsend? Yeah, Stuart Townsend, the Irish actor, had been, had been cast as Aragorn. And then about a week into shooting, they realised he was too young um, for the part and they had to recast him with Viggo Mortensen. I was researching this, trying to find out information about what anybody, any photographs of him in, in makeup, anything like that. And I ended up on this page, and someone had written an elaborate. It started off, I thought, it was legitimate. You know, he was distraught about being sacked, and and was in his t- dressing room and taking off the makeup. It made him trying to make him look older for the role. He's peeling off his eyes of makeup, and then in comes Orlando Bloom to commiserate him. And then they start having sex, and I realised this is some sort of bizarre piece of fan fiction that I'd lo- stumbled upon. <laughs> it's funny what you find the internet. <laughs> That's stumbled the longest, upon. Yeah, stumbled the longest upon. Oh, yeah. excuse for... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I didn't have to read it all, obviously, but I did. <laughs> to be fair, you found the link for Phil Rotica fairly quickly. Yeah. I mean, that, that was, was posted up as soon as, as soon as his name was <laughs> I'm mentioned. I was still talking when you posted that. <laughs> what can I say? <laughs> right, talking about Charles uh, exploding events then, Ed, <laughs> I believe you were getting slightly excited at the prospect of... Uh, of Kurt Russell joining the cast fast and Slight, Slightly excited, unless they reanimate the corpse of Steve McQueen to be in Fast and the Furious 7. I do- honestly don't know how they can make this much better. And by better, I mean truly preposterous. Like being smashed in the face with a giant boxing glove of noise and stupidity. Like any good Fast and the Furious film should be. Well, they've already got uh, Jason Statham in, which I, I didn't think they could really top that. If they get Kurt Russell in, this could be the greatest film ever made. Because it's also set after Tokyo Drift, so now we're getting back into the continuity. So um, Han's dead, and, and are they going to bring in Lucas Black as well from uh, Tokyo Drift? I'm not sure. All I can say is, right now, I am genuinely excited. This is the only film series 
series in the history of the world that gets progressively better with each film and makes more money. I mean, that's just um, unbelievable. It's going to be a solid Oscars prospect by 2020. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, it, it's going to sweep the board at the 2020 Oscars. Watch out, folks. He said Tokyo three times now. You know what's coming next. <laughs> Actually, I did. Uh... <laughs> Were you, were you big on the drift scene, Steve? Uh, uh, no, it wasn't big on the drift scene, but um, for some reason, um, Vin Diesel was staying... Um, oh, here we go again. <laughs> no, he was pe- staying in the penthouse suite of my apartment block. Oh, Jesus. I didn't realise this, but I walked out the front door one morning, really hungover and feeling like shit, and there was a mass of Japanese pepper rats. <laughs> scared the life out of me because I thought they would, you know, start flashing at me first because oh, there was this bald bloke walking out. Bald guy Jim walked out, they just figured it was Vin. Then they realised pretty quickly it wasn't. <laughs> Were they all using fisheye lenses? Yeah. Yeah, another nice bit of fan fiction there from Steve. Uh, moving on, uh, one for Mark Botwright. Miyazaki to retire. Say that again. Miyazaki is retired. Is it Miyazaki? Is it Miyazaki? Yeah. Miyazaki. Miyazaki son. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's announced his retirement. Uh, shut up! This is Mark's bit. <laughs> <laughs> It's a ventriloquism act. Yeah, Hayao Miyazaki to retire. Um, latest film, The Wind Rises at Venice International Film Festival. Looks like it'll be his last film. Um, one of the founding members of uh, of Studio Ghibli, and it's been a long old time. You know, he seemed like a like a figure that would go on forever. You know, he's got a huge amount in his in his canon now. Um, Howl's Moving Castle. Uh, like um, Castle in the Sky, and he's just got classic after classic. And it because I suppose it seemed that he made films very much in in a nostalgic style because they seemed very much timeless. I think people just assumed that he would go on forever, but uh, you know, sooner or later, I think everyone has to call time on their careers. And The Wind Rises sounds like it's going to be quite or was quite an emotional project for him. It's it's called a little bit of stick. Um, from some commentators, um, you know, because it's it's basically telling the story of the chap who designed the uh, um, fighter plane that was used by the Japanese in World War Two, and so Zero. therefore, yes, and so therefore, it it's it's one of those stories of you can see the poetry in it. You can see how an artist would come to it and say that there's something uh, beautiful and tortured about uh, a figure who would want to create something. You know, who's got the this inspiration, but ultimately it's used for for warfare, for you know, for terrible ends. Um, you know, it, it's it's a theme that's been used a lot down the years. Um, but obviously, the problem is is that it cops a little bit of stick from you know perhaps the left who don't like it, and then you know the right don't like it, and, and ultimately it's you've got an animated film that that almost seems too mature. You know, traditionally for the kind of more realistic. Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't necessarily say just the more mature, but the things that tackle everyday life, you tend to assume that Studio Ghibli, it's been Isao Ta- Takahata who's tended to tackle those kind of things with, you know, um, My Neighbours, the Yamadas and things like that with more mundane everyday things, more more almost grounded in reality. So to to kind of do away with anthropomorphic figures, you know, kind of animals and the like and just all out, whimsical nature and just go towards something that's you know still very much recent history and still very much a, a kind of wound in the Japanese psyche in some ways I, I think it's 
you know, it was a brave move and it's, it's you know, probably scratched that itch that he's wanted to, to make something more poignant and more lasting, should we say, that, that's centred around reality for a long time. So what you're saying is that this one definitely doesn't have any giant furry animals in it. I, you know what? I, I honestly haven't seen much about it yet. Um, and so I'm, I'm very much, I'd like to stay away from knowing too much about it until I see it. Um, but I, I would very much doubt it given the subject material. You couldn't fit my naval Totoro in one of those Japanese fighter planes, could you really? No, no, possibly not. Well, I lived in Japan. Oh. <laughs> During the war. No. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, you know, um, quite often the, the Japanese or the Asian titles of films are li- slightly more literal than the UK than the English language versions. And Up was called Old Car and His Flying House. It made me laugh. Clearly, <laughs> I think I think Citizen Kane was called Rosebud's a Sled. Oops, spoilers. <laughs> that would have saved me a couple of hours. Ooh, <laughs> I'm gathering enough material that by this stage next week, my Steve erotica site is going to be quite something to behold. So. <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah, I've probably let a bit too much go this week, haven't I? Really, with strippers and yeah. If we, we just take all the little sound bites and we could paste them together really, really badly for you, Steve. <laughs> don't get, don't give Phil any ideas. Uh, say your fictitious meeting with The Rock that I'm going to write in film uh, <laughs> Boone style is going to be uh, yeah it's in Berlin. <laughs> <laughs> Save that for the new site. <laughs> lead, lead story day one. What would the headline be? Bringing out the worst in you. <laughs> <laughs> what about what about this between a rock and a hard place? Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> there was a female friend sent a thing on Facebook, you know, those really annoying things uh, with a photograph and a bit of text next to it, you know, it's supposed to be funny. This one was genuinely funny. Uh, describe your sex life using film titles. Oh. So mine's would be Home Alone. <laughs> Midnight uh, Run. Gone, <laughs> gone in 60 seconds. Fast and Furious. Burn After Reading. <laughs> Mission Impossible. <laughs> Willow. <laughs> the hole. Forty-year-old <laughs> um, virgin. Iron Man. <laughs> Toy Story. Ghost Rider. <laughs> the Grey. The Ring. Edwig and the Angry Inch. <laughs> One for Steve. The Rock. Snatch. <laughs> mm. The Shooter. Free Willy. <laughs> <laughs> I hate that film. It's the first time it's ever been of any use to me. Hotel for dogs. Big. (laughs) (laughs) Theodore X. The Punisher. (laughs) Collateral damage. (laughs) Hayao Miyazaki is retiring. A sad day for yeah, how, we, how have we gone from that to this? I don't know. <laughs> uh, right, so quickly, Simon, round up what's coming on the site, movies-wise. Okay, rather than what's coming up in the next week, because, you know, we never know with the post, um, it's quite a, a, a big release month. We have um, Iron Man 3, um, 
we're going to be looking at that. Which, uh, Hollywood had the great chance after the Assemble's Avengers to go quite intimate and small, but decided to throw 50 Iron Men at the end. Uh, spoilers. Um, reasonable film. We're looking at the 3D version. We were just talking about Fast and Furious. We're going to be looking at Fast and Furious 6. Um, couldn't stand it myself. Can't stand the series. But I'm no, sure it's so, going to look great. so wrong, Simon. It's, it's masterpiece. Yes, of course. Yes. Okay. And, of course, uh, released today, um, Star Trek the Star-, Star Trek. Star Trek, wasn't it? Into Darkness was released today. I have watched a bit of it. Um, tens around, I think, apart from the extras, which are pants, but the picture and sound quite phenomenal. Yeah, annoyingly. Based to rock about... the foundations of the earth, in fact. <laughs> I don't know about in this country, but in the States, there, was, there were extras, but they were on retail exclusive discs. So yeah. like a commentary track from J.J. Abrams is on the one if you buy it from, you know, I don't know, where, one of the retailers, which is a worrying trend. Oh, I don't know, the, sorry, the commentary track was available if you bought the film on iTunes. Mm. So well, uh, I don't like the sound of that at all. Yeah, the I mean, uh, the, the disc I viewed this, uh, this afternoon was the, the 2D version of its single disc. Um, looks and sounds incredible. Um, terrible film, of course. And the extras aren't great. Um, we're actually looking at the 3D version of the film. Did you um, say terrible film? Terrible film. Oh, terrible film. It's not terrible yeah, it's film. Not terrible. Oh, it is. It's a terrible film. <laughs> this it and is. Fast and the Furious. You're, you, 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 sir, uh, you know. No, you just watch all of these things sober or something. You're <laughs> sad. <laughs> the, the problem with the, with the Star Trek is that it had so much promise and it's just wasted. It's wasted opportunity. Really? Uh, no. As a science fiction action film, yeah, I'll, I'll say, yeah, it's very, very watchable. If you, if you take off the Star Trek bit, then, yeah, it's great. They try and enforce emotion on you. Uh, it's a story that's already been done before. Nah, it doesn't. And see, and I've gone out and bought it and watched it. I mean, you know, never mind. <laughs> More for you then. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Me but it does look and sound great, so. Did I mention Gone in 60 Seconds for that one? Yes. yes. Twice now. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't make 120 seconds. Moving on, and uh, let's go to some games news. Uh, Mr. Botwright, Xbox One voice commands. They're only going to be available in five countries at launch. Uh, well, there's been a slight update. That was the original story, that they were only going to be around in the US, UK, Canada, France, and Germany, which basically meant English, French, and German were the only languages that they managed to get working. But there has been an update to that, and they've said essentially that only really relates to the phrase Xbox On. So how so, hard is it? To, that, surely that's come on. the one they should have got surely. nailed. Xbox, <laughs> right? You've got so one. Most but, languages. And then on. You just need to find on in a few languages. See, I, I, you know, it's got to be something to do with the fact that, you know, they say they don't want it spying on all the time, but it, it's clearly got to remain listening. And so, therefore, it, it must be hard to kind of almost find some kind of a sleep state for it and for it to be able to just pick that up perfectly in any environment, whereas... I suppose it's assumed that once you've started kind of talking to it, once you've started the interface, then you pretty much will have the right surrounding conditions for it. So I don't know, maybe that's it. But they have said that voice control will be available in 10 of 13 launch countries. So, I mean, they still haven't even really hit that. So it, it, it does seem a fairly major feature that they're starting to kind of roll back on. It's this continual rollback from a, 
a grand, very enthusiastic, very optimistic ideal of voice control and being able to turn it on to, you know, five countries really being able to actually turn it on via voice control. It makes even yeah. less sense when you consider that some of those countries where it isn't going to be available are Australia <laughs> and New Zealand. Good, good well, this goes, back, this goes back to a video that they speak English that there Phil, as well. Phil posted a video on his Facebook. Yeah, I was just going to come on. Yeah, that. yeah. Good luck trying it. I mean, it does, but as I understand it, certain um, English or spoken English regional dialects, and it's not just in the British Isles or the ones that we think about, are, are, are you know, they're, they're an acid test for these voice control systems. Um, apparently, we've, we've the two, been working on this for five, six years, haven't we? Well, yeah, except that you think about it, Mercedes has been working on voice activation for um a lot longer than that and their system still has a habit of exploding on contact with geordie um and uh, there's there's there an island there's an island um somewhere off the coast of newfoundland where people essentially still speak tudor english and car manufacturers take their cars there to see if they can actually get anything to function at all. So yeah, I mean, we 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 naively assume that you know we're 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 one one sort of relatively global language, but no, it's not quite as simple as that. But yeah, I am a bit surprised that they're not even having having you know apparently coped with full mainland United States, which has got some fairly cracking accents going on. It does strike me as weird that they're not even venturing to to claim that Australia is good to go. Gonna give us, uh, gonna give me a hand here, getting something to eat and uh, like a, something simple, like a chip butty or maybe a uh, Jimmy Dodger, and then a pint of I don't know, you know, McCune's Lager, or Caledonian eighty. I'm not aware of any meetings about being without Mahatma Johnny Georgia and Joni Chipbachi. Oh for sakes! See me, right? I want a Jimmy Dodger, like a fucking jam sandwich, and a chip butty. That's just bread with chips. I'm not even going to get into the pints. Just get me that. Sorry, I don't understand. I need to get some pajamas. Look you, you fuck out. I need a sandwich. A jammy dodger. It's just bread and jam. Fuck the chub butty. Fuck the McEwen's lager. Can you just do that, please, you fucking go? No need for profanity. Oh, for fuck's sake. That's it. Apple Scotland having a wee bit of trouble. <laughs> well, yeah, but there's all sorts of these. My favourite for this is the story, um, uh, the automated booking for the One Direction movie, which I sincerely hope that Steve is off to see and talk to us about, just as an aside. In order for it, the computer to say one direction properly when you're ringing up to book, what they actually type in phonetically is wand, W-A-N-D, erection. <laughs> because it won't say it properly any other way. And now that's, every that's time anyone refers to that band at all, I just, just think of one, one direction. If I go to the cinema and ask for one ticket to one direction, I'm definitely <laughs> going to get arrested. <laughs> Just film the whole thing on your phone, Steve. You'll become a YouTube sensation overnight. Admittedly, you'll be in prison, but everyone else will yeah, be I'm in prison. Anyway, you, you were saying, Mark. 
Um, <laughs> until we went down this yew tree offshoot, I'm not fully sure where we were. <laughs> Voice control. <laughs> um, little aside to this. <laughs> He may have actually killed Phil. <laughs> Would you like a ticket for One Direction? <laughs> Look, Phil's not coming back, so just keep talking. Mark. <laughs> I think he might need medical assistance. He can use Siri to call for an ambulance. Oh, no, wait. <laughs> Once again, this has got at least you've got an extra day to edit this into some simple <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm in pain. <laughs> it wasn't even that funny. <laughs> <laughs> right, where were we? <laughs> oh, well, I think Mark was going to talk about Sony getting in on the act. <laughs> right, okay. Right, Mark, you're just going to have to pick it up, I can't even... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> no idea where we ended up. Segway to that. <laughs> and on similar news. So what about Sony, Mark? <laughs> <laughs> oh, what nice. a uh, That was beautiful. I thought you'd appreciate that. Yeah, yeah well, uh, Sony have confirmed that via the PlayStation camera, which was jettisoned from the original pack, but you will be able to buy one for about £55. They will be able to do uh, voice uh, navigational voice commands, um, and it will be able to uh, recognise faces as well. Um, and so, you know, they haven't actually unveiled much to the public. Apparently there was something uh, shown to retail partners at the GameStop Expo, but we'll just have to wait and see. But it, it does at least seem like they're along, moving along the same general lines. So it should be interesting to see how those two technologies face off against each other. Yeah, agreed. You've got to think that probably Connect has the, well, bearing in mind all that we've just said, but uh, we've got to think that Connect's probably got the head start, or you'd, or the more money pumped into it at least. I guess it lives or dies, Mark. The only thing that, thinking out loud, uh, and you know, if you know no better, please feel, feel free to berate me. It depends, I guess, whether there's any third-party developer stuff in this where Sony can, you know, say, can we buy into somebody else's extensive catalogue of voice recognition stuff? Mm, and yeah. Then actually, the amount of things that you have to, to have to edit in that are bespoke comparatively small i can't believe that everyone sets out and does it from scratch even necessarily microsoft no there's some very good i can't i'm trying to think of the tech company behind it but there's some very good voice recognition in is it a couple of the tvs panasonic and lg i think it is lg in particular seem really good but they use basically uh, like you say the same middleware to achieve the solution so there's, there's tools out there already for the actual recognition part i tried that voice recognition um and then it types what you say software i tried a free trial of it years ago all it demonstrated was just how much i subconsciously swear whilst typing <laughs> um you know effectively any work i'd have i'd have turned in that i'd have dictated to the computer would improving your reviews mark i often think that's what you're using <laughs> really 
<laughs> yeah, because there are like words where they they sound like the word. You know, they sound similar, but you've written it down. Uh, like, that's just no. That's and just I started thinking: is he is he using voice you know, voice recognition stuff? The lazy bastard's not even writing it out himself. No, if only. It, no, if only. No, that's just how my brain works sometimes. <laughs> so, Mark, uh, wrapping up on the games, two DS. Did we need it? No. Um, you know what? Need a three DS. Yes, to be precise. 3DS, sales picked up. That's doing quite well. Um, 2DS, I mean, it's it's interesting from a design point of view in the fact that, you know, they they kind of moved all their handhelds and slowly, you know, they, they go through these design iterations and they ended up with the clamshell design, which seemed perfect for portability. And now they've gone back to this this weird kind of slab. like a, It looks a huge. I can't, I can't it's, imagine it's, wanting to hold that for a while. No, it, it's smaller, but it just, it looks unwieldy. It looks like... Yeah, it doesn't look right in the hand. Yeah, like the controls are in the wrong place. That conversation is going to sound quite strange. <laughs> Just put that in wherever. Every thirty seconds. <laughs> looks huge. I wouldn't want to hold that for long. <laughs> We're back to Phil Rotica there, but We're still uh, looking at that picture. <laughs> <laughs> But what's interesting is that like there's just one large screen there. They they don't, haven't even put in two screens. It, it's a lesson in cost cutting. So they've just put in one big um, touch screen, uh, resistive touch screen, and then just put the plastic over the middle of it to make it look and cut off the corners so it looks like it's actually two screens. Mm. Um, but it's going to be lighter. It's going to be cheaper. Um, the you know they've jettisoned the the 3D effect from it. So. You know, they, they've kept a couple of cameras on the back so you can take video and take pictures in 3D, supposedly, so you can send them to other 3DSs. But it's it's a pointless feature. It always was. And so I, I really don't understand why they even bothered keeping that in there. Um, but compared to the fact that the 3DS XL these days, I think it's it's kind of about £160, something like that. And this is going to be about 110 So, you know, it it will sell. And it, it's, it's strange how Nintendo usually end up managing to kind of stratify the handheld choice and keep gamers used to this idea that there will be design changes and that will eventually give well give way to some kind of incremental upgrade is this a case of the games press again jumping to conclusions when this was announced saying what what's this blah 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 taking the mickey yet the ones that have actually got it in their hands and started playing with it are, are now doing a full 180 and saying well actually this, is, this isn't too bad I I, th- I think the problem is is that there, there's this this weird sense of your initial reaction is it's horrendous, it's ugly, it's terrible, and then you suddenly realise well every time people have said that about Nintendo they've usually ended up wrong, but then you go back to the most recent case that people tended to say that on mass was the Wii U in which case they were right, so it's it's really hard to to judge Nintendo on this. Ultimately they they shift handhelds because they've got enough developer support because they're easier to to develop for and because you get the Nintendo first party titles on there and i i do think at a, at a knockdown price this is going to sell to you know to to kids coming up to christmas and that kind of thing anywhere around that 100 pound mark is where it'll sh- where it'll shift to kind of you know the kind of tween age crowd i quite like it i think it looks pleasingly retro but then i'm a sucker for retro so mm. i guess it has got a little bit of the kind of game and watch look about it in some yeah. ways I like I'm that. Not sure. It just seemed a very weird product. Yeah, gut reaction was, my God, 
that's ugly. What have they done? Because I mean, the the, the 3ds XL is is beautiful. It's it's sturdy. It's well designed. It, it's ergonomic. It's clamshell design. It, it you know you can chuck it in a bag. It's just it's a perfect handheld. Um, and so to go away from that just seems kind of odd. It, it almost you know you want to say it just Nintendo, looks like we need to make some cash quick. Well, hopefully people will buy this one. Yeah, and they will do. It's got to be said, after some of the things we've discussed this evening, any mention of the word clamshell isn't particularly appealing. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's just me. Well. Right, best of luck. It's <laughs> <laughs> been emotional. It has indeed. You might be up all night with that one. One direction, Jim. Leaving these podcasts always feels like leaving the scene of an accident for someone else to clear up. Yeah. A very long, slow car yeah. crash. We've crashed the car and then we just say, best luck. Chuck I, always, the keys. I always think at the end of it, that was utter shit. And then when yeah. I listen to it, I think, oh, it doesn't sound too bad. <laughs> so, uh, tip of the hat to your editing skills, Phil, because. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I, I think we need to start taking a pool on how long it takes to get bumped from tech podcasts. Just furious bollocks. <laughs> Miscellaneous. Because <laughs> <laughs> if I'm honest, our considered tech quotient is 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 diminishing. It's diminishing. <laughs> this week was particularly bereft of any kind of real technical information, wasn't it? <laughs> LG's new television looks bollocks. Neither, <laughs> none of us like Stoke or West Ham. And... Oh yeah, I did a film review and within 10 minutes later you couldn't even remember what the name of the film was. <laughs> I'm sorry, you conveyed it didn't leave a lasting impression and so it proved to <laughs> One film review segued into talking about strippers. Yes. <laughs> well no, there was a stripper in the film. <laughs> or rather... And Aston was playing a stripper in the film. And we discussed Phil Erotica, so, you know. Is Phil Erotica staying in, Phil? Yes. Excellent. <laughs> you need to do that sign-out. Instead of the standard AV Forums podcast music, you need to do that to uh, Phil Collins is in the air tonight. Okay, and uh, sadly, that's it, or maybe gladly, that's it for another AV Forums podcast this week. And uh, my thanks to Mark Botwright. Cheers, Phil. <laughs> hey, Midnight run. run. Uh, yeah, no, I, I knew that. See, throwing you off the scent. Cheers, Phil was an actual quote. Yeah, he was. That was in a, there, there was Phil in the film. He's, he's reading Phil Rotica again. <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, hang on. <gasps> Sorry, I can't read my own writing. I wrote this one down. No, I have that problem. Yeah. Can't read your writing either. <laughs> Is this going to upset me? I don't know. What's your quote? Oh, touche. Mark Hodgkinson. You get it started. That's the best plan I can think of. Sammy Crust. I'll tell you what. If you don't cooperate, you're going to suffer from fistophobia. Ed Sally. You have two forms of expression, silence and rage. And Steve Weathers. See you in the next life. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook at bookmarkavforums.com for the latest reviews, news and video. Don't forget, September, big month for the forums. We'll have more news about the big changes that are coming to the forums, that are coming to the editorial and the brand new design. Look out for that podcast. It will be a standalone special um, with forum founder Stuart Wright 
telling us about all the new features that the site will have. So uh, stay tuned for that one. And don't forget, you can leave us a rating on iTunes if you enjoyed the show. Make sure it's five stars, please. I'm Phil Hinton. Thanks very much for listening. And we'll see you again next Wednesday, hopefully. (laughs) 